we are starting a brand new series today called Revolution. Uh, and it's actually a series about evolution. But we didn't call it evolution because in actuality, what you and I decide about this topic, where you and I land on this topic, has the ability to revolutionize our lives. See, depending on whether or not I believe there is a creator, believe that there is a God who watches over this universe, who made you and me specifically with plan and purpose in our lives, or if I think, no, 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 we're just products of random chance. We are really the cosmic joke of the universe. We're, we're an accident that showed up here. And depending on where I land on that issue, I not only change the questions I ask about purpose and meaning in life, I change all the answers. So depending on where you and I land on this topic has the ability to absolutely revolutionize my life. And for some of us who are here and maybe would take this process and talk about this together, your and my life could be vastly different at the end of this series. It could be revolutionized. So, revolution. Now, here's, here's the deal as we talk about this. The, the only way that we're going to get here on this topic is if you and I do this topic with honesty. If we don't call names and we, don't, we aren't disrespectful, if we just simply say, let's look at this together. Let's, let's be truthful and honest, and as best as we can, let's be objective about this topic and this information. So as part of that, you just need to hear me say, I don't come to this topic neutrally. I don't. The reality is, is that before I ever began to research origins, I was already a Christ follower. I came to this debate, I came to this discussion already hoping for a certain conclusion and hoping that the facts would substantiate a God who was there and who was real and was in charge. That's honest. Most evolutionists, if they were honest, would have to say they didn't come to this topic neutrally that they already had their minds pretty well set on what they hoped to find, what they thought the answer was going to be. And they rooted for information that would substantiate that within their lives. So all I'm asking is for the next three weeks, could we do our best to set those preconceived things, to, to say, let's, just, let's look at the evidence for what the evidence is. Let's consider this afresh and anew as best we can as we do this topic together. Now, here's the deal. If, if you're here and, and, and you may be trying to figure out God, figure out where God fits in your life, that, that's perfectly fine. And you may even be someone who's pre-Jesus and says, well, I, I don't know. This is, this is part of what I'm struggling with. I, I feel like there's all this scientific evidence here and then there's this Genesis account that just seems almost fairy tale. I, I'm struggling with this. There, there are Christians in the room who'd say, look, I, I believe in God, but... I, I don't have any answers for this other thing. And the truth is, when the discussion starts, I just kind of walk out of the room, pretend I didn't hear it. Highly intimidated by the topic. And what we're going to discover by the end of the day is, is that those who name the name of Jesus Christ have no reason to hang their heads in shame over this topic. We don't. I'm even going to suggest that as you and I unravel the scientific evidence, you and I are going to have an amazingly powerful case. So, we'll begin. There's really, 
And if you're here today and you're coming from a little bit of an evolutionary bent, that's fine. We'll journey that together. There, there's really two types of people who fall into the evolutionary camp. There, there's one group of people who have done their research. They have studied this topic. They've watched all the PBS specials. They've gone to the classes. They've looked at the information. And, and after looking at the information, they, they have piles and piles and piles of what they believe is scientific evidence that would support a non-intelligent design for the universe, that, that, that what is here, what has happened is actually random chance, and, and they believe they've got a mound of evidence to get there. That's the minority of people who espouse evolution. The vast, vast majority, and we're being honest, remember, we're being honest, of people who would say, Today, I, look, look, I, I'm just, I don't believe in God and I believe in evolution. Didn't get there because of the facts. They got there because of convenience. Let me explain. See, we're intelligent enough to know that, that if there is a God, if he really exists, then... There's decisions I've made. There's actions I've done. There's lifestyle that I've lived out. And if there really is a God who is watching, a God who is keeping score, a God who made me, then I've got some answers to give. And the idea that there's a God is highly inconvenient for how I want to live my life. So here's what I do. I go, no, 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 no. I don't believe in a God. I, 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 I believe in evolution. And it works. It works, because see, here's what happens. Christians freak out when I say that. They get all embarrassed, they shut up and they go away, they leave me alone. My conscience goes quiet. See, see here's what happens. I live a moment not so well. I make a decision that I know was mean or hurtful or harmful. And something inside my heart aches. And then here's what I tell my heart. Oh, no, 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 it doesn't matter. There, there's no one watching. There, there is no one keeping score. It's okay. There is no God. And many, many have come to that conclusion, not because of the facts, but because it's more convenient. Here's the problem, which means simply this. I could stand in front of you today and shoot holes in the theory of evolution, which next week as we come together, we're just going to unwrap scientific fact after scientific fact after scientific fact. We're going to melt your brains, okay, uh, with stuff, with evidence in here. If I shot a million holes in the mask today, and you're a person who's leaning there, not because you're leaning there because it's convenient to not believe in a God, nothing's going to change for you. You're still going to hold the mask up, holes and all, because it's easier. So here's what we're just going to do today. Here's where we're going to start. We're just going to ask this question What if you're right? What if you're right? What if God doesn't exist? What does that mean? What would that do to my life? 
We're going to come from that direction because it's a better question for the vast majority of people who are struggling in this area. Okay, so here we go. What would it mean? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if there isn't a God? Okay, first consequence, first ramification of that. You realize there's no such thing as morality if there's no God. Because, whoa, 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 stop thinking. Evolution simply says this. You and I are highly developed, highly evolved animals. And you guys have heard the story. You guys have heard the kind of progression. Somewhere there was a little cosmic puddle sitting there and acid rainwater was falling in it and somehow within those chemicals life happened and little amoebas were swimming around in the puddle and one day the amoeba kind of came to rest because it was tired and laid on its side and the sun baked a little blister on the side of the amoeba's head and then he rolled over to the other side because he was getting hot and the sun baked a blister on the other side of his head and lo and behold when the blisters scarred up and they turned into eyes I hope that's not true. I've had a lot of blisters. And if you're telling me that at any given moment, you know, I could like be reaching for coffee and all of a sudden, I see you. <laughs> I'm watching. I mean, that would... That's weird. And then, and then the little amoeba swims around and decides it's better to have gills because it's hard taking in oxygen through its skin and then it gets little flippers and turns into a fish and pretty soon the fish aren't happy swimming in the pond and so they're crawling up on the land and of course that's not very fun and so the flippers turn into legs and then they start crawling around and then pretty soon some of them decide I don't want to have legs so they drop the legs and they turn into snakes and snakes decide you know what this is kind of lousy crawling around on the ground and so the snakes crawl up in the trees and the problem is the snakes keep falling out of the trees and hurting their tummies so the snakes say well let's grow wings <laughs> no i'm not I'm, I'm telling the story right cows get tired of eating grass so they keep walking back in the ocean and pretty soon their noses go to the top of their heads and blow holes and whales and it, it's a great anyways but here's the, here's, the, here's the end of that. Here's the end of the story. If that's true, if you and I are simply hairless apes who've learned how to stand upright, if you and I are simply advanced animals, you realize there is no morality. Morality is a myth. You say, whoa, 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 well then. No, no, no. Morality comes from the collective conscience. See, morality comes when we all get together and kind of decide something, that becomes the morality. Really? Is that true? You and I can vote and make it moral? So here's my vote, okay? I'm going to throw one out. Let's kill all the bald people. <laughs> Why not? I mean, they've surely run the course of their youthfulness, right? Just kill all the bald people. Who needs them, right? Because what you're telling me is, is that if I can get enough votes, that is the new morality. And you realize, just over 100 years ago, the morality was that black people could be owned because we voted it. And that when you took a population census, they counted for two-thirds of a human. We voted it. 
Did you know that there are parts in the world right now where it's okay to have sex with children? Indonesia, it's popular opinion. That if you go to the Netherlands right now, you can buy any drugs you want. You can walk through and they have women in, on display in the storefronts and you can hire them. Popular vote. That, that in the Middle East right now, women are treated like property. It's culturally right. Really? And you realize that within the equation, if, 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 if you're right, if it's true, if, you ready for this? If there is no lawgiver, then there really is no law. It's whatever you and I decide, and there's no such thing as really right or really wrong. It's whatever the public will bear. So me go, oh, no, no, Lynn, Lynn, Lynn. It, 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 there's, 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 there's kind of a collective conscience. See, there's, 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 there's an intrinsicness within us that kind of understands what's right and wrong, so we'll, we'll always be able to kind of keep the moral compass going. I love that you said that. I think you're right. I think there is kind of a moral compass within each of us, but let me just, let me just ask a question. Where did you get that? Remember we said, in a universe without a God, you and I are just hairless apes. We're just animals at the top of the chain. And you realize animals don't have morality. I mean, well, think about it. When's the last time you saw a tiger? Kind of depressed. You know, he's sitting over a fresh kill. And, and, and you, can just, you can see it in his eyes. He's saying to himself, I don't know why I killed that gazelle. I, I wasn't even that hungry. Well, what, what makes me do those things? I, I'll, I'll bet you he had brothers and sisters. So let me just ask, if you and I are simply the evolutionary product of it, where did that collective conscience the idea that intrinsically within you says a lie is a lie, and murder is murder, and adultery is adultery, and stealing is... Where did that come from? If you're an animal, if I'm an animal? Isn't that a great question? Scripture tells you. It's the book of Romans. And if you grab your Bible and go to the back and then work to the left, you're going to find... A remarkable answer. It's Romans chapter 2. Here's what it says. God talking about this very issue says, Since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their consciences also bearing witness and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. It's called a moral code. And you realize the very fact that your heart aches and says, that's wrong. Every time you watch TV and see something that 
rut, and you go, I need to write a letter. Someone should do something. No animal has ever thought that. Why do you think that? It's the fingerprint of God. It's the fingerprint, ready? Of the lawgiver on your soul. Now, I don't believe in a God. Then you don't believe in morality. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? What if you're right? What, what, if, what if you and I are here purely by chance? What, what if it's more convenient not to have a God than to have a God? What if we can vote him away? What you realize the other part is there's absolutely no justice. There's, there's no chance that wrong will ever be right. Matter of fact, if evolution's true, get this, you ready? No one's keeping score. Think about that a minute. No one's keeping score. You ever played a game where no one kept score? I'll last in that game for about three minutes. Guess what your life is like if no one's keeping score? Which means this, you ready? Every unfairness, every unfairness is final because no one's keeping score. And when people cheat, when people rob, when people steal, you ready for this? Every child that dies, doesn't matter. Every thief that steals, big deal. Every spouse that's unfaithful, every child that's molested, because no one's keeping score. It is what it is. Suck it up. And evil wins. Really? That's the answer? And I, I just, I'm just going to be honest with you. I've had too much stuff in my life. I've had a sister who was born autistic. Make sense of that if no one's keeping score. She died at 16 because somebody neglected to watch her. I hope someone's keeping score. I've had enough people say things about me, gossip about me. I've, I've gotten the short end of the stick enough times. Please, please, please tell me someone's keeping score. That when I look up right now and I see the scoreboard, tell me that's not how it ends. Tell me that evil doesn't win. Tell me that cheating and darkness isn't final. Tell me there's a God who at the end of time throws a Hail Mary or calls for the instant replay and says, I will set it right. Because I'm not sure I want to play a life if no one's keeping score. What if, what if, what if? What if evolution's true? What if, 
what if you and I are accidents? I mean, that's, that's the theory, right? That, that if you and I were to explore the rest of this universe, if you and I were to look that what occurred here on this little planet that we are on is so random, so accident, so, you ready for this? Even by the evolutionist, so improbable that what happened here, that life would come from nothing, that the chances that it has ever occurred anywhere else, no way. Which means this. You and I are a cosmic joke. There, there's no reason for you and me to exist. There's no, you ready? Purpose for us. You're an accident. Just, 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 just to give you perspective of this, just to give you the, the, the depth of what you and I are being told, okay? You and I live in a solar system that is inside of a galaxy called the Milky Way galaxy, okay? And we went, we did a little research, we grabbed a picture of the Milky Way galaxy. That's it. Now, you just need to know, scientists have kind of pulled this together. It's, we've never made it outside the Milky Way galaxy. This is taking thousands of pictures and putting together as best we can put it together. We are part of what they call a bar spiral galaxy. Now, of course, you and I are so significant, and our solar system is so prominent. Of course, we're dead center in the Milky Way, right? Did you know that if that's our subdivision that you and I live in? Because you realize the Milky Way galaxy is one tiny little galaxy within thousands of galaxies within the universe. That if that's our galaxy, we, we didn't even rate the middle of it. Matter of fact, our cul-de-sac is located off to the side. Show us where our cul-de-sac is. There we are. We're kind of on the wrong side of the tracks. And, and a matter of fact, here, here, the point of that arrow, the point of that arrow is bigger than our solar system. We couldn't make an arrow small enough to represent our sun and all the planets that are orbiting it. That's how insignificant our solar system is within the galaxy that we live in that is one of thousands of galaxies within the universe. Because, guys, 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 we're an accident. Let's pull into our cul-de-sac. Let's look a little bit closer. There's Earth. Now, I'm just going to tell you, as an old person, just seeing that picture is pretty amazing because I remember back when we had never seen that picture, when we first kind of off our little uh, planet and turned around and looked back and took a picture. How many of you remember when we did that? Okay, let's hear it for old people. Some of you young people are going, that, that's not news. No, that was, that was big news. And, and if you look real close, you can kind of, you get, it's up on the top, we're kind of looking from the bottom, but you can make out Africa uh, right there. And, and at the very top of Africa, you can see how it's really barren. That's the Sahara Desert. And, and above that is the Mediterranean Sea. And you know what's interesting? Can't even make out a country. Can't see cities. 
can't see how big your house is or what emblem you've got on the front of your car. Can't see famine or injustice or wrong. Because the reality is you and I are really, really small on a really, really small planet. Our sun that we revolve around is considered a subpar star in a solar system filled with galaxies. In 1973, scientists launched a spaceship called the Voyager. Its mission was to go out, take data, collect information, send us back pictures. When they sent it out in 1973, 17 years later, they sent a message to Voyager and said, turn around. By that time, Voyager was 350 million miles from the Earth. It had been traveling 46,000 miles an hour for 17 years. And they said to Voyager, take a snapshot of all that you've seen. And so Voyager took 60 pictures. Because they were using 1973 technology, it took months to get the images back. You think you've got dial-up problems? <laughs> and as they got the images back and they began to piece those 60 pictures together, scientists were stunned. And, and here's the image they came up with. Some of you are going, what? That, that's the picture I send back to Walmart and get my refund for. <laughs> but that, that, that's someone's thumb was in front of the camera. No, no, no. This is Voyager looking back over 350 million miles at us. And, and you see the bars that are going across. That's actually sun reflecting off the Voyager spacecraft because 350 million miles away, the sun was still there. And captured within one of those rays of light, one of those bars, a pale blue dot. Cage can't say, we'll get a little closer. Right there. So some of you in the cheap seats, circle that for him. There you go. Okay, so let's back out. That's us. That's Earth. And one astronomer seeing this picture simply said, it is amazing to consider that all the lives that have ever been lived, all of the history that has ever transpired, transpired on that fleck of dust that we call home. And guys here, if there's not a God, you and I are simply an accident, a random moment in chance, then explain to me what you're doing beyond taking up space on a fleck of dust. And, and if you're willing to sign off and if you're ready for a universe that doesn't have 
a lawgiver, a score keeper, a creator, then here's the most important thing. Your life has no purpose or reason. You are simply a fleck of dust upon a fleck of dust until the next fleck of dust moves in. And if you listen clearly to what the evolutionists have told you, you do not matter. You do not have a reason. There is no point. The psalmist said this, my God, when I look at the universe and the stars and the moon that you've created, what is man? What is man that you would even think of him? And if you'll listen closely this morning, you'll hear the voice of God say to you, don't you dare, don't you dare listen to the lie. Because I love you and I created you on purpose. And God, if he were on this stage today, could stand and name you by name. And he would say to you, not only do I love you, but I have a plan for you. Matter of fact, Jeremiah said it this way. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And God would say to you and I, you aren't here without purpose. You are not an accident. Matter of fact, I loved you so deeply that before you were ever born, I numbered the hairs of your head. I thought through every moment of your life, I sent my son to die for your mistakes. Don't you dare, don't you dare listen to the lie. So I'm just going to ask, are you really ready? Are you ready for a life that doesn't have a law giver? Are you ready for an existence where no one's keeping score? Are you sure? Are you sure you're an accident? And some of us, some of us who've worn the mask merely because it was more convenient to live my life without God in the way need to be honest today and say I knew all along I, I knew that wasn't true my heart knew that wasn't true and I'm done with the mask and you realize that that one thing that one admission could revolutionize your life Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask us to bow our heads. And I'm just going to ask for some of us that are in this room today to say, look, I, I get it, I get it. I have lived a life pretending the mask was real. And I've lived a life pretending that God, I knew God was there. I, I called myself an evolution. 
I didn't do that because I'd studied. I did it because it was convenient, convenient for my disobedience and my disregard. And I'm just going to be honest today and say to God, I know, I know you're real. I'm done pretending. And I need your son. So let's pray. It could be something like this. Dear God, I've known. I've known. I've known that you were there. I've known that there was a law giver who wrote his law upon my heart. And I've, I've known that there was a scorekeeper who was watching my life. That's what bothered me. But I've come to realize I, I want a lawgiver and I want a scorekeeper. And more than that, I want a God who loves me, who says that my life is not an accident and that there's a reason I'm here and that I'm not just some speck of dust with no purpose or no reason. And that the only thing that gives me purpose is a God who loves me, who sent his son to die for my mistakes. It's the only thing that makes sense. And so I'm just asking you, I'm confessing. I know you're real. And I need you. I need you in my life. I need you to revolutionize me. And I need Jesus Christ to clean up the mistakes and the mess I've made so far, the, the recklessness with which I've lived. And forgive me. The truth is I've always known. Somewhere deep in my heart, I probably have always believed. But today I declare you are God, and I'm not. In Jesus' name.